0: Hi, my name is Dan Ariely, and welcome to Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast about science. Every week, I will talk to one researcher about one project, who we'll have a chat about what they found and what it means for our lives.
1: Dan's guest this week is Danny Oppenheimer, assistant professor in the Department of Psychology at Princeton University.
0: So I'm sitting here with Danny, and Danny, you're a professor in a small college called? Uh, Princeton. Princeton. <laughs> And uh, you just got tenure, right? Uh, yeah, I got tenure uh, a couple of months ago. A couple of, congratulations. Thank you so much. Uh, so does it mean you're on much more, many more committees right now? Uh, not yet, but I imagine that's uh, due any moment now. That's right. And um, so, so you work on something
1: called fluency. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Uh, how to pronounce? What does it mean? <laughs> it's about the ease of processing information and uh, a subjective experience that people have about how easy or difficult it is to process a piece of information. So, for example, this was very hard for me to understand what you just said. That's, that's part of the issue? Uh, yes, that would be disfluent. So you can imagine if you were uh, to go into a bowling alley and pins were crashing and loud music was playing and it was hard to hear what someone else was saying, that would be disfluent auditorily. Or if you were trying to bring to mind who won the Super Bowl this year, it would be pretty easy because it just happened. But if you were to try to bring them, Who was it? Uh, this year it was the Steelers. <laughs> uh, you'd have to... If you were trying to think about five years ago, it would be a lot harder. And so it would feel disfluent. It would feel hard. Okay. And you uh, want to suggest that this has something to do with stocks in the stock market? Uh, yes. So it, it turns out that the ease of processing information is one of the cues we use to ho- towards how valuable that infor- uh, the piece of information is. So... Uh, a stock can be judged uh, by a lot of things, by how profitable the company is, for example. Uh, you would hope. Uh, we would hope, yes. But one of the things that, uh, that seems to drive people's judgments about how much the stock should be worth is how easy it is for them to process information about that stock. So, for example, how difficult the news is about the stock? Well, that could be some, although the, what we've looked at is uh, how, how difficult it is to pronounce the name of the stock. The name of the stock? Who cares? Who cares? Well, uh, investors apparently do. So, what we showed was that uh, if you look at how difficult a stock's name is to pronounce, that predicts how well the stock will do uh, initially after going public. That can't possibly be. Well, you know, it is. We, we looked at exo- uh, a bunch of stocks from uh, 1990 to 2004 uh, that went public, and we showed there was a strong relationship between how easy it was for uh, undergraduates to be able to pronounce the name of the stock and how well the stock did. So, so don't the people who pick stocks, pick names for the stocks, know that? Uh, yes, they could. And so it could be maybe that there's some semantic information, some information about the quality of the people picking the names that's, uh, that's in contained there. So, Give me, give me a hard name. Magyar Tapkos Lezi Rezaveni Tarsasog. There's a stock with this name? Yes, it's a Hungarian <laughs> telecommunications company. It's actually the hardest to pronounce uh, name from our sample. Okay, so what, what happened to these guys? Well, those guys went under. <laughs> and you think it's because of their name. Oh Well, I, I think there may be a lot of things beh- uh, behind that, but one of the factors that d- drove uh, the, the, the pronunciation drives prices to some degree early on. So, so give me more detail, but how does that look? How do you really get your data? Well, what we do is we, we go to the stock market, and we get the names of companies that have gone public. And then we uh, bring in a bunch of undergraduates, and we ask them, imagine that you were an MC at a ceremony, and you had to name the names of these stocks how difficult would it be on a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is really easy to pronounce the name and 10 is very difficult. And the undergraduates do this, and they come up, they're actually remarkably consistent. People tend to agree that something uh, easy to pronounce is easy to pronounce, and something difficult to pronounce is difficult to pronounce.
0: Okay, I'll give you that, and then what? You got this list of names with how difficult it is to pronounce them, and then what?
1: Uh, then we go to the actual stock market, and we look at how well these companies uh, performed in terms of how well their stocks did. Uh, one day after IPO, a week after IPO. So this is immediately after IPO. Uh, exactly. So... Uh, day after IPO, these companies' stocks have gone up uh, considerably more uh, if they are were easy to pronounce than if they were difficult to pronounce. And what happens in the long term? Well, uh, long term, the stocks with the easy to pronounce names do tend to do better, uh, but it is not uh, as strong an effect. As other information such as profitability comes out, people start to pay more attention to that and less to more superficial factors like the name. But the effect, the trends do hold long term. Okay, so here's a question for you. So if you were going to start a new startup, mm-hmm. how would you name it? Uh, that's a good question. I, I, I guess I would try to come up with something very easy to pronounce uh, and maybe get a couple people, of, friends of mine, to uh, agree to make sure that they agree that it was easy to pronounce. For example? Um, Barnings, Vander, Hillard. Those were uh, some stock names that did very well. But you can't take those, you have to pick something else. That's true. That's true. So something that was probably involving a glide syllable um, like Golden okay now um, final question what if you had a kid do you want them to also have a fluent name Hey, well, we actually have some other data from the lab showing that uh, politicians with easier-to-pronounce names uh, do better uh, in elections. So uh, a- assuming the kid wants to go into politics, perhaps.
0: Well, d- depends if you want them to go into politics.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it might also influence things like how much their salary, uh, how likely they are to get hired for jobs. We don't have any data on that. But since uh, fluency is perceived to-, to be a sign of value, you would think that uh, you would want your kid to, have, uh, to be perceived as higher value. How fluent is Danny? Danny's nice and good. Oppenheimer, maybe not so much. Would you you have uh, changed to Dan instead? Uh, you know, anyone named Dan is clearly <laughs> brilliant at what they do. No, but is it, is it more fluent? Would be Dan or Danny? I, I think both are pretty fluent. Uh, but if I were to make it something like, you know, zarflax, that might not be. Okay. Danny, thank you very much. Thank you. This has been Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast with Dan Ariely, professor of behavioral economics at Duke University. Learn more at predictablyirrational.com. irrational.com.